What is it? Oh. Let me just stand up. I'm not In October of 2017, Stephen Paddock inexplicably opened fire from the, <laughs> the top of the Mandalay Bay, raining hellfire down on a bunch of innocent people, and that's the story. Goes no deeper than that. Don't don't dig any deeper. I am joined today by Austin Picard to tell us why perhaps we should dig deeper. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Austin. Absolutely, Clint. I appreciate you having me on, brother. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, this story uh, it has it has obviously engaged my conspiracy brain for <laughs> since I don't know day one uh, right but but increasingly so over time as uh, as i realized that the police were apparently doing everything they can to cover it up uh you know sheriffs the media the story gets dropped even though it was you know from a from a gun grabber perspective it's about as good a story as you could hope for uh <laughs> but they after they got the bump stocks they were like that's it we're good <laughs> like right. that, that's the most we could possibly attain from this uh, but anyways, let's let you introduce yourself. You're the host of the Underclass Podcast, but uh, tell people about yourself real quick. Yeah, so I, I basically just um, I've seen I've I've developed this ability of pattern recognition <laughs> over time uh, with specifically events like this, these high impact events, these mass casualty events, because it really does seem like they're operating from a similar playbook you know, if not the same playbook in many, uh, you know, examples. But um, so really, I just and it's it's such an extraordinary story because we have all been basically preconditioned to accept this this narrative uh, and that always seems to manufacture consent, right, of some kind. It always falls into that category, which to me it's it's like we all we're doing is facilitating this false narrative to basically disarm law-abiding citizens right and i think that you know the more we refuse to ask the the critical questions the more we just accept these socially engineered uh i mean Outcomes. That's really, yeah. It, and yeah. it's really what it seems like is, has been happening is that we're, we're over-socialized as, you know, the American public. We're undereducated, right? And we're all, and I say this in my podcast about this because we're all just seemingly emotionally reactive and waiting to be triggered for the next media cycle to help facilitate that narrative into the mainstream to cover up the truth, you know? And so 
it does feel like we're we're just cogs in the psyop wheel. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Everything. You know, I, I even I even even though you know I have the same perspective you do. Sometimes I'll feel that way about when I'm like preparing for my show. I'm like oh, yeah. I'm like because you know so much of what I do is covering the the day to day, you know, news. I'm like right. fuck. Am I am I responsible for you know playing into their own preferred right. news cycle? You know. Yeah. Um, but th this is actually why I wanted to do this episode is because, uh, you know, I want to not play into their cycle. I want to actually yeah. dive deep on a topic that they very much don't want us to dive deep on. I think this is a very important one. Um, first off, it, it struck me personally to a certain extent, uh, not not directly, but I was, you know, I, I grew up in San Diego. I, I, I drove to Vegas, I don't know, probably once or twice a year my entire life, certainly my adult life. Uh, I had just gone to a country music uh, festival in Vegas, oh, I think wow. six months prior. Uh, mm -hmm. So like, but even though I hate country, I just, some hot girl invited me. Um, so, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but like, had she invited me to that one, I could have been there, you know, like that's, oh, shit, that's, yeah. that's pretty wild. So uh, it, the story is so, it's so bizarre. Um, so let, let's start with that for, I mean, I'm sure everyone's familiar with the fact that this, this event happened, but I, I think most people Definitely. don't know, you know, even, even the bare bones about it. So, so briefly, Stephen Paddock or whichever direction you want to take. Right. Briefly, I think the, the way I want to introduce this is because I think this will bring us full circle in the end. Um, I, I believe there's, there's definitely enough evidence to claim this this had had some relation to operation fast and furious and the atf gun walking scandal right and so basically what I, I just to briefly detail that operation fast and furious was just one of many operations done under the umbrella of project gunrunner right and this project allegedly intended to stem the flow of firearms into Mexico by interdicting straw purchasers and gun traffickers within the U.S. It seems to be one of many of the different scandals in the Obama administration that was never given too much press attention, you know? Yeah. But, well, it's because he wore a tan suit, and that's the, <laughs> that's, the, right, right. that's the biggest controversy of his entire presidency, don't you <laughs> that's know? That's what we should focus on. <laughs> right. <laughs> but... Given that the guns run by the ATF were allowed to, they, they were found and discovered and traced back to all these different violent crimes that uh, apparently killed hundreds of people. And subsequent congressional investigators, this, this it resulted in Eric Holder, right? Yep. Who usual suspect once again? I mean, Eric Holder was the dep wasn't he the deputy attorney general uh, in Janet Reno's. Uh, uh, State Department or um, during OKC, right? And he basically helped facilitate that cover up yep. of the Oklahoma City bombing. And then he, once again, he resurfaces during Obama's administration. While conveniently, Jesse Trinidu, the Utah attorney, right, is has he was trying to uh, uh, have Congress investigate his brother's death. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was Eric Holder's job to come in under the Obama administration and help make sure that did not happen. And so basically what happened there was that 
and it, it's even detailed in his emails through FOIA requests and the lawsuits by Jesse Trinidou that showed that uh, apparently Eric Holder had literally told his staff that they were going to launch a mission called the Trinidou mission. Right. And wow. he even like referred to Jesse as like Osama bin Laden, like more dangerous than Osama bin Laden. Yeah, he literally said that. What the and fuck? Um, yeah, and it's clearly because it he would have through that investigation, it would have revealed PatCon. It would have revealed the interworkings of what really happened in Oklahoma City. And they weren't going to let that happen. I mean, that's why Terry Nichols can't you know, get in front of a grand jury. It's, it's just not going to happen. But mm -hmm. either way, I thought that was a crazy aside <laughs> because well, Eric Holder's just yeah. a monster, dude. <laughs> like, well, let me, let me connect one more crazy aside. Okay. Eric Holder was on TV just a couple uh, days ago. I think it was less than a week ago. And he was talking about, you know, like corruption and political violence and all this shit. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. I just can't fucking believe people like that are, interviewed as like scions of you know reputability <laughs> like what the fuck you're like this dude is so he's so corrupt yeah like like you said you know he gets his start uh you know as a participant in the cover-up of of the okc bombing you've got other people that were you know higher-ups that were responsible for the cover-up of uh uh why am i blanking on the name the uh the the church uh, the Kids in Texas, the seven Waco. Yeah, Waco's. Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, you're kidding. Uh, you know, you have other higher ups there that that go on, and and basically what I, what I've realized over time is that like the the more controversial a matter, and if you're a participant in covering it up, the higher your your lofty promoted. heights can go into the political <laughs> apparatus. And it's you're like, gonna get promoted right away. Yeah. And and, yeah. and continue to be pro promoted because you've already demonstrated you are a yep. foot soldier for the regime. You will do exactly. whatever, no matter like no moral qualms whatsoever. You will cover up yep. the murder of kids. Yep. <laughs> like you're going to the top for sure. Yeah. Now that it does seem to happen that way. I mean, that's what happened after Larry Potts was apparently the guy that was running PatCon. You know, and and he immediately became the director right after OKC. And it's just, I mean, how many, how, I mean, their evidence locker, uh, somebody needs to investigate why all these, these suspicious, you know, uh, damning, uh, you know, um, uh, like, for example, the, the footage from the Oklahoma City bombing. Oh, well, it's, we lost it. Uh, we don't know what happened, <laughs> but, and, and as well as uh, you mentioned Waco, like that front door that would have proven who shot first and, and, you know, I mean, oh, well, I guess that went missing too, you know, but it's only along, when along it's with, along with S Epstein's, uh, you know, blackmail tapes there. <laughs> oh God. Poof, gone. Oh, and also, also the technology to get to the moon, gone. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> what the exactly, fuck, man. Dude? And, but people mm -hmm. like if you just if you just point out all of this insanity, people think you're the conspiracy theorist. It's like no, no, no. These people are conspiring. It's crystal clear. <laughs> you have to be a conspiracy theorist to see all of these chains of events and go. 
right. none of this means anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. But you know, Fast and Furious. I think we should explain a little bit about a little bit more about yeah. that. I know you said it was Definitely. to it was supposed to it was intended to interdict and and prevent mm -hmm. you know gun running operations in Latin America, but they did so by running guns to the yep. <laughs> to the cartels in Latin America. Yeah, Mexico specifically, and it even uh, apparently got um, Border Patrol agent Brian Terry killed on December fourteenth in two thousand ten, and uh, and they found like like how many guns was it? It was like over one hundred and fifty crime scenes where Mexican citizens were like killed and maimed, and some of the guns were even used in the November two thousand fifteen terrorist attacks in Paris at the Bataclan. Right. Oh, shit. The, yes. Those dude. those guns got ran all the way to Paris. That's those crazy. guns were tied back to Operation Fast and Furious. Holy like, shit! It's just crazy to me that. I mean, that this happened. is literal treason. What we're describing, like you're providing aid and yeah. armaments in this case to our enemies. You know, it's right? it's wild. And I mean, dude, what has the ATF not done? You know, it's like they just. They need to be abolished. I mean, just <laughs> to say, yes, for sure. Yeah, but I, and by the way, like because of Fast and Furious, Eric Holder was the attorney general at the time. And and he became the first sitting cabinet member to be held in criminal contempt of Congress ever over that. Hmm. Right. Which, you know, nothing was done. There was no real accountability. But still, it's just like that's just an insane you know precedent and and it's never mentioned but so and by the way during the congressional inquiry following the atf siege of the branch davidian complex in waco henry ruth was one of the three independent reviewers from the u.s treasury department and he testified that the atf needed good publicity with its appropriations hearings a week away a successful raid this size would produce major positive headlines to counter the ATF's reputation as a rogue agency whose debacles blackened the reputations of other agencies, and it would scare the public enough about fringe groups to create political pressure on Congress to increase its budget. Wow. And for me, that's what these agencies consistently do. Yeah. You know, they, they, they escalate and provide press opportunities it's a self-licking ice cream cone that is government you know yeah. and, well and and keep in mind i mean the the reputation that they're trying to repair is because of ruby ridge and ruby ridge and waco yeah, yeah and 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 well no waco was supposed to repair their, supposed their, to repair their, their reputation from ruby ridge it's like holy shit dude <laughs> you guys you guys need to stop repairing your reputation yeah, the, please the innocent children can't handle it definitely <laughs> So fucking nuts. some legitimate gun dealers, as is always the case, like and, and even members of some of the ATF agents, they were against Project Gunrunner, you know, I mean, like vocally and and uh, but they were strong armed into participation by the top brass. Right. The leadership is always is compromised, yep. you know, and so you're, you're going to run the op like it, like it or not. Exactly. And so top brass within the ATF prevented agents on the ground from following standard operating procedures and all told on by june 2010 suspects surveilled under operation fast and furious had purchased over 1600 weapons at a total spend of over a million dollars and at that wow. time 
it was at that time, not at the end of the operation, by the way. And the ATF were aware of over 300 of those weapons being found at crime scenes, 179 in Mexico and 130 in the U.S., right? Jesus. So the ATF's responsible for violent crimes being committed on American soil. You know, I mean, like, that's a fact at this you know, point. It's either terrorism or accessory to to homicide and robbery and all this other stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable that this, this is just accepted. You know, people no kidding, just don't man. even think about it. No um, kidding. Blows my mind. Blows my mind yep. that they got away with it. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> no one cares. So into Vegas, right? The official narrative on October 1st, 2017, like you said, a mass casualty shooting event occurred when a 64 year old, mentally disturbed man named Stephen Paddock opened fire on the crowd attending the Route 91 Harvest Country Music Festival on the Las Vegas Strip from his 32nd floor suites in the Mandalay Bay Hotel. That's the official narrative. He fired, he's alleged to have fired like almost 2,000 rounds of ammunition and was about a fi 500 yards uh, into the festival audience is how far it was. And it would ultimately kill 60 people, wounding 867 others. And about an hour later, he was found dead in his room from what was reported to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Now, to this day, the motive for the shooting is officially undetermined. And it occurred between 10.05 p.m. and 10.15 on October 1st, which so it's only a 15 minute window. And was 10, it 10 was, minute window you say 1005 to 1015 oh yeah yeah you're right yeah yeah and so beyond that it was also like the third and final night of the festival and uh the sh and the shooting began right it was like the final act of jason aldean or something yep. and um so according to the vegas metropolitan police department's preliminary investigative report shortly before 10 p.m hotel security guard jesus campos was sent to the 32nd floor to investigate an open door alert this dude's story is outrageous man so <laughs> he he attempted to open a door that provided immediate access to the floor but found that it would not open after campos entered the floor he discovered an l-shaped bracket screwed into the door and door frame which prevented the door from opening after reporting the discovery to his dispatch center, he heard what he thought was the sound of rapid drilling coming from room 32-135 and went to investigate the matter. At approximately 10.05, he was hit in the right thigh by one of about, and this is weird because I saw reports that it was that he fired almost 120-something bullets through the door at this security guard that Pat Paddock supposedly did. But then I saw other reports that said it was only like 35. So I'm not quite sure how many bullets were actually fired through into that door. But it seems like it was enough, right? Enough to actually do some damage. But he was only hit in the right thigh. And he even um, thought for some reason that he, he was, his original report was that he thought he had been shot by a BB or pellet gun. Which to me is just absurd because when you hear that, hear the audio of those 
at least it sounds like multiple guns being fired. I'm just saying. But anyway, <laughs> you hear you hear the audio and it doesn't sound to me like a bump stock. It sounds like a machine gun. It sounds like an M240. You know, it sounds like something of that nature. It, I, I, I completely just, agree. There's no yeah. fucking way those are that's being fired from a bump stock. Nah, man. It, it didn't opinion. make sense. Yeah. And so... Anyway, allegedly Paddock fired through the door of his suite at Campos, and well, after and, he and was hold hold on, oh, yeah. so he's ahead. firing a hundred plus rounds through this door, <laughs> yeah, and right. and Santos says to himself, "Wow, this guy's firing hundreds of rounds of BBs through a fucking door." <laughs> That's what I do. Come on, man. That you know, makes you, there's no way in fucking hell you think that that's BBs coming through a door. Thank you. Man. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You. It is ridiculous. So after Campos was hit, he took cover in the alcove between rooms 32-122 and 32-124 and immediately informed the hotel by radio and cell phone that he had been shot. Though, like I said, he he claimed to them he thought it was a BB or pellet gun, which is insane. But So at the same time, maintenance worker Stephen Shuck was on the same floor to fix the door that Campos had reported as being barricaded. The already wounded Campos encountered Shuck and told him to take cover. Shuck contacted hotel dispatchers over his radio, informed them of the ongoing shooting, and told them to call the police. Neither the Vegas Metropolitan Police Department nor MGM Resorts International, the Mandalay Bay's owner, have confirmed when information about the initial shooting was relayed to the police. So, the investigative report described Paddock using a hammer to break two of the windows in both of his suites and began shooting through them at 10.05. Many people in the crowd initially mistook the gunfire for fireworks. And that is insane to me because there's all these reports that it was almost like they were conditioning the audience, the crowd prior to the event because there were reports that multiple guys were, like at least two guys were standing, uh, in the in the crowd but on the outside of the crowd and were had been just dropping fireworks that sounded like gunfire yeah, for like a while uh, you know? look i've been to i don't know why this is the case because i like rap and i don't like country music at all but i've been to multiple <laughs> country music festivals like in my life lots of them i don't know i just like hot girls go to them so i get <laughs> i don't know i can't help right. myself i hate the music but <laughs> hey. um <laughs> anyways let me just say how fucking un believable it is that there would be fireworks being dropped in the crowd at a country music festival it, it, like anybody did that around like these are all good old boys like they will beat the shit out of you if you're doing that so that shit just no, doesn't happen i and for it to be happening multiple times it just strikes me as totally impossible to believe that yeah. that's not as you said preconditioning the the crowd to basically like freeze as opposed to running right away yeah and and a lot of the the some of the witnesses and the survivors, they claim, they even claimed that, and I even heard on one of the audio recordings that one of them just, they immediately, the first reaction was, oh, it's just fireworks. Don't worry about it. You can hear it oh on video. My. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen clips where they go like, no, they, there was fireworks. So like, it's nothing. And you can actually see people. Some of the people are standing in the crowd as everybody mm -hmm. else is like laying on the ground. Yeah. And and one of the dudes that's standing is going like, it's fireworks, it's fireworks. And you're yeah. like, dude, no, the fuck it isn't. No, absolutely not. So during the shooting, 
police officers were initially confused whether the shots were coming from the Mandalay Bay, the nearby Luxor Hotel, or the festival grounds. And there were multiple reports of additional shooters at other hotels on the Strip. Even like the Hooters, there was, there was a report that this, what they claimed and described as a mem- what looked like a member of a SWAT team came in from the back of the Hooters and started telling everybody they needed to get down, right? Like get on the ground. And that then, and he had a weapon. That's what they said. And then they said multiple shooters from the outside came into the Hooters. That's so and they, wild. It's where's, crazy. Where's, where's the fucking footage on that? No kidding, man. Like, Yo. th- this is this is the other thing. I just got a quick tangent. I, you know, this is motherfucking Las Vegas, bro. This yeah, is man. this is one of the one of the most surveilled territories in the entire world. <laughs> you know, it's right up there with the border between. Gaza and Israel <laughs> with the amount of surveillance. And once again, there's a, an attack that goes that, you know, goes under the radar there. It's just oh my bizarre. God. It really right. is. It's it's the land. It's like ran by the mafia. They have all of this surveillance and all of this footage of all mm-hmm. of these other reports. And for those that think we're, you know, exaggerating, you can look into this. There is like dozens of reports of guns being fired and and armed men at like a litany of casinos all on the same night and yep. and yes i mean obviously you will have stuff like that that happens every night in vegas because it's a fucking crazy <laughs> place but to have that many paired with the largest mass shooting in american history if not human history from a single gunman right i don't know i don't know i'm with you buddy needs needs a needs a real deep dive investigation um, and let, really let me just does. let me just play something real quick. This is uh, the two gentlemen that you just described. You know the 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 victim of a BB gun, Jose Campo or Jesus Campos. Oh my God, the Ellen show. Yeah. yeah <laughs> given his his only interview, this happened two weeks almost to the day. I'll afterwards. get into that soon, dude. <laughs> yeah. Thank you both for being here. And uh, first of all, how are you both doing? I'm doing better each day, um, slowly but surely, just uh, healing physically and mentally. Yeah, I imagine. I imagine. I mean, it's the biggest softball interview of all time, so I'm not going to play any more of it. But this is Stephen <laughs> Chuck and Jesus Campos. These are the guys that you were just talking about. So that, yep. that is the only interview he's ever given, to the best of my knowledge. And attorneys for the injured, I'll get into that in a, uh, in a moment. Because their take on that Ellen show is, uh, yeah, it it definitely fills in some holes for us. But <laughs> Oh, interesting. So, yeah, it's it's pretty extraordinary. But <clears throat> so after the firework fiasco, right, during the shooting, um, like I said, the police had they had all these diff- multiple reports from all these other, you know, venues and hotels. And this is according to Las Vegas criminal defense. One month after the Vegas massacre on October 1st, Observers are still looking for a satisfactory answer for the shooting, claiming that mainstream media has given up on covering the attacks. Conspiracy theorists believe the public has bought into the lone wolf scenario that claimed 60 lives. Eight key witnesses perished in questionable conditions within 30 days of the mass shooting. And there's a report at WUC News, and they they uh, detail that each of the eight had something in common besides being present throughout the gunfire. 
They each knew details of the massacre, which contradicted the authorized narrative. Four of the seven gave accounts to the media, which stated there was more than one shooter. So Dennis and Lorraine Carver, and they, they perished when the car they were in veered from the road and exploded. And this was only, it was just only a couple of weeks after, right? It was literally within a month. And they were a couple from California and they instantly died in the wreck. And Miss Carver had told the media of her spouse shielding her from the shooters by spotting a beer locker in which to hide until it was okay to run. After escaping, she shared reports on Facebook and let family and friends know that they were fine. And she added, I believe the shooters have gone. Now, a week after the wreck, which claimed the Carvers, the couple's oldest daughter, Brooke, received her father's cell phone. So through the chaos, Mr. Carver had dropped his phone at the Vegas shooting and it wound up in the FBI's possession. Reports say phones and laptops of witnesses were taken and erased by the FBI. Danny Contreras is another uh, survivor who died within 30 days. And he was 35, was killed after being chased by two gunmen. His corpse was recovered in an uh, abandoned, or he was 35. And his, his corpse was recovered in an abandoned house after a woman heard a man moaning and called the police. Right. And it turns out law enforcement investigated the report and found Contreras dead in this abandoned house. And and uh, Contreras had posted on Twitter and said regarding the Vegas shooting. He said that. Basically, I believe the shooters have gone. Right. And he goes. <laughs> it's It's such a. Uh, an insane story because he says feeling lucky to be alive can't believe i got out of concert two men stalking me with guns and that was at ground level and this lady right here kimberly sukamel she's like probably the most infamous from as far as one of the witnesses dying and sukamel she was 28 and she had probably the most public death and she was uninjured at the shooting, but described to the media the attacks and how they were carried out by multiple gunmen who were firing weapons. Sukumel's post on Facebook went viral, and she was also trying to reach out to other survivors. And she said multiple gunmen were not just firing weapons in the crowd, but also pursuing people and shooting them even at point-blank range. A week after the post, she was found dead in bed at her Apple Valley home. And her grandma, Julie Norton, she told reporters, I believe the stress from the shooting took her life. So that's just unusual. But it's <laughs> <laughs> unusual. I mean, in, unless you believe in Final Destination, like the movie plot. Right. And yeah. You're like, no. you're like these people were supposed to have died at the event and then they all just go and die. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure a, a festival of that size, if you have thousands of people there, you're going right. to have some people that die within a, a month of the event. Um, yeah. but to have it be in, you know, some of them in violent ways, uh, right. and, and a bunch of young, seemingly healthy people. Exactly. It's worth, it's worth looking into, I think. Right. And the last one I'll mention is just because it's a weird scenario and his death isn't as, um, isn't as like intriguing. It, it, who knows if he really died by seizure during sleep, but 
he was or orville allman was the attorney which represented the music festival and jason aldean the singer who was on stage when the shooting began and according to the nashville media he died by seizure during his sleep and after the massacre and before his death allman reportedly told a friend that his meetings with mgm las vegas police and the fbi were strange and complex the lawyer was privy to information which the federal agency didn't disclose publicly and allman's 35 career er, 35 year career included representing recording artists and songwriters as well as record company execs so you know whether this series of deaths and disappearances are coincidental or you know what i mean it 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 does Very seem like something deeply sinister is it's a foot yeah. you know what i mean so well, and and uh, you haven't mentioned yet but you may be planning to get to it but there was also some woman that was telling people that oh, they yeah. were going to die uh, oh yeah in the like i think it was within 20 minutes or something like that of the shooting actually yep. starting so yep this lady right here fucking I, weird i know i'm about to, so after the mass well it's crazy because according to authorities with the clark county commission um, the name October 1 was declared the official title for the investigation into the shooting. And officials from the FBI and ATF quickly responded to assist in the investigation. And hidden surveillance cameras were discovered by investigators placed inside and outside the hotel room. So Paddock had even put a camera in his peephole, allegedly. And But they weren't recording, I guess. It was only... Like, at least that's the claim that they weren't set to record, that they were just providing the visual. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so it was it was basically, uh, you know, surveillance to keep himself in the clear, I guess. Exactly. At well, least allegedly. Right. Here's one one quick question for you. Why? Mm -hmm. Why the fuck <laughs> would you bring like hundreds of guns when when you're just you're a single shooter? Right. Like, why not so, just bring, I mean, maybe three, you know, like oh, a yeah. backup? It, it, oh, it, yeah. it makes no sense. And, the, like, there's, you can hear times where he's reloading. Um, and another weird question, I, it, like, I haven't ever counted it, but it sounds like more than 30 round clips to me. So oh, even yeah. if it's, even if it's a bump stock, there's, it's like larger mags that he's using. But you say that I have, there's emails between him and Marilu Danley that I'll get into in a moment that was revealed through court documents. And, and it pretty much explains why they had all these weapons. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think I know why, why, but I mean, I obviously I'll let you dive deep on that, but, right. but like my point is if the, if the story is what they say it is, yeah. why, why risk, if you're going to run this massive op, I'm right. going to, I'm going to bring up hundreds of guns. Wasn't it, wasn't it over a hundred guns or am I, am oh, I yeah. wrong? No, it was, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. like almost it was like almost 200, actually. Yeah, it was a shitload yeah. of fucking firearms. And and I'm just thinking to myself, like, if, if my plan is to do this, I'm right. going up there with I'm I'm going light. You know, I'm going right. to bring as little as possible. And and also, if I have access to all this, this firepower, I'm certainly not going to like I wouldn't get a, you know, a 30 round gun or anything like that. I'd be like, well, I'm going to get some belt fed <laughs> whatever right to just rain yeah. hell on these people for as long as i can do so especially since i'm suicidal apparently right. i'm planning to take my and, own life and, at the end of this it's just like none of this makes sense right and on top of that 
like why wouldn't he have just had the guns prepared you know and just drop one gun pick up another one yeah well that yeah you know like if you're gonna if you're gonna do this and like your plan is i don't want to have to reload so i'm gonna bring i'm gonna bring 200 guns yeah round mags and bump stocks on each one it of them no or or i could just get one belt fed gun <laughs> you know? uh-huh it's fucking know, strange man. man it really is so um besides the him him like putting surveillance up in the hotel room <clears throat> the clark county sheriff joe lombardo at a press conference on october 4th stated that there was evidence which he declined to discuss that paddock had intended to escape the scene and that he may have had assistance from an accomplice. He said this. Mm-hmm. And and they even claim they found like a breathing apparatus in his room, which I, I don't know what that means. But, you know, it's he probably just, had sleep apnea. He looks like some old alcoholic. That's, pro- that's probably it. Dude. Honestly. Like. <laughs> but so the um, the independent is who really covered that lady you were talking about that that uh was a concert uh had attended the concert and claimed that this woman had uh made her way to the front and and made this insane claim so uh apparently and this was the day after the massacre that this was reported on october 2nd um concert goers were told you're all going to fucking die less than an hour before the las vegas shooting started a woman in the crowd is said to have yelled the warning about 45 minutes before the Route 91 Harvest Festival became the venue for the worst mass shooting in U.S. history. And after her outburst, it was claimed the woman and her male companion were made to leave the venue by security. Less than an hour later, the attack began that left 60 people dead. So witness Brianna Hendricks, she said the woman had been behaving strangely before her outburst. Miss Hendricks who had been in Vegas to celebrate her 21st birthday. And I saw this, like uh, the actual recording of her saying this. I believed her. I'll just be honest. (laughs) So she told Mail Online that there was a lady who came running up behind us in the concert and she started to play with people's hair, acting crazy. And she told us that we're all going to fucking die. She said they're all around us and we're going to die. Miss Hendricks said the woman had claimed her boyfriend could not breathe in order to push her way through the crowd at the front row. She said it seemed she was telling us to either warn us or she was part of it. And she was telling us because she knew we were going to die. It was so scary. It felt like she had knowledge of what was about to happen. That's what this girl said. dude. And the way yeah. she said it was genuine as hell. You know, yeah. I've seen she that. Had I've no seen that. I've seen that clip before too. And I agree. I mean, in fairness, because of what transpired, you could take this like benign, crazy person and then go, well, but then I had thousands of rounds fired on me from on high (laughs) and then go like, that person was telling the truth. I mean, it's possible, but like, just, I'm just, I just want the audience to like take in every aspect of this and just decide for yourself. Does this narrative make sense? And I think the answer is clearly no. Right. And I try and remain as objective as I can, <laughs> but, but honestly, it, I, I will, per, I will disclose what I believe, but yeah, of course, but I'm never trying to tell others what they should believe. It's I'm just trying to present the alternative narrative. And so, um, Miss Hendricks though, this, this witness, 
She returned to the Mandalay Hotel about 15 minutes before the shooting and witnessed the carnage from her hotel room. And she said later, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I thought the woman's warning had a correlation to the shooting. She described the woman who gave the warning as Hispanic, probably about five foot five with brown hair, and said the woman's boyfriend was also Hispanic. The authorities have yet to comment on whether the woman's warning was just a bizarre coincidence or whether it actually did have something to do with the mass shooting. But, you know, they never they never did. But so after the suspected gunman Paddock, 64 year old white man confirmed dead, police said they had also located a woman connected with him named Marilou Danley. Clark County Sheriff Joseph Lombardo later revealed that Miss Danley was in fact out of the country in the Philippines and was not believed to have been involved in the shooting. He told reporters, we have located her out of the country. She was not with him when he checked in to his Mandalay Bay hotel room. We have discovered he was using some of her identification. We have had conversation with her and we believe her at this time not to be involved. Now it was later revealed Paddock even rented the rooms under her name, right? Using her ID, okay? <laughs> and uh, how did she get out of the country then? Right. <laughs> and this <laughs> and the Australian National, they even claimed that the girlfriend of the Vegas shooter Stephen Paddock claimed she worked for the FBI on a loan application. <laughs> right? That Holy that's an shit. official report, dude. And that's so That's crazy. Uh-huh. And investigative journalist Reva Mendoza she did some really great work about this specifically. And she even tied Marilou Danley that her fingerprints were found on Paddock's hoard of ammunition packed into unused rifle magazines, <laughs> told the consumer credit reporting bureaus that her place of employment was the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And when contacted on Friday, one FBI source said the Bureau might have made payments to Dan Lee, but it is above my level. The source said referring to access to the FBI's confidential informant participant and payment records. Jesus so the Christ. Yeah, dude. So the source <laughs> said bosses are concerned with the new revelations about Dan Lee's financial relationship with the FBI. <laughs> and this is when court documents revealed these suspicious emails between Paddock and Marilou Danley that started on July 16th or July 6th, 2017, just a, you know, not too long before, but so when Paddock used the email address central park one at live.com to send a message to another account named central park four eight zero four at gmail.com. And that belonged to his alleged girlfriend, Marilou Danley. And the first mes message reads, try an AR before you buy. We have a huge selection located in the Las Vegas area. Later that same day, Marilou's account responded by saying, we have a wide variety of optics and ammunition to try. Paddock's account replied, for a thrill, try out bump fire ARs with a hundred round magazine. It later surfaced that in the 70s, Marilou Danley, had been a fighter with insurgents fighting against Marcos in the Philippines <laughs> and oh. was most likely a longtime CIA asset. Yes. Wow. Marilu Ocampo, Ocampo Natividad was her name at this time.
and they called her May Escrita Fighter. And she was subsequently sponsored by Carl W. Ford Jr., who was the China analyst with the CIA to gain entry to the United States. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. shit. I don't know how I didn't know any of that. That's crazy. That's, I, I'm telling you, man. Like, I've always yeah. focused on on Paddock and how absurd it was that he was the lone dude. I, I did not know that his chick was like I know. almost certainly a spook. Right? Yeah. Crazy. It, it really did blow my mind. And that, to me, was the biggest smoking gun almost but i think that might be yeah 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 i think so but still it sounds like it sounds like they're emailing themselves like ad copy yeah dude that's exactly what it sounds like they were running uh an arms business of some kind yeah but but it sounds like they're they're just like going back and forth with each other like like this is the the ad copy that we're gonna use to put out or something like that that's really what it seems like for sure and and um i read this crazy story about how bruce paddock one of his brothers not the one that was like mainly in the video that was like you know couldn't accept it at first and then got pissed and came back out and told the media like you know which was is a crazy video to watch but um his he had another brother and his brother's name was bruce and this guy gets he gets in 2018 he got arrested for child pornography right for having all this child porn and then this judge like on his behalf like instead of dealing with the prosecutors and trying to actually you know uh honestly deal with this case and he seemed to step in on bruce paddock's behalf Mm -hmm. right and get the case shut down and and then i found out that bruce paddock's apparently his father well well besides the fact that paddock's father was like fbi's most wanted list had like broken out uh, of prison and uh had a whole different um identity that he lived under for over 10 years while he was on the fbi's most wanted list that's paddock's dad by the way and i i didn't know that for the longest time and i found out that they have some connection to this um this like um chi- like this you know child protective organization you know kind of like the Haitian children fund or whatever that was involved with Pizzagate and all that so it's like um there's definitely some and I didn't get I didn't dive quite uh as deep in, into that because I found it just recently but uh I just thought I should mention it because to me that kind of helped make even more sense as far as like it really helped uh lay out how maybe their whole family had some interesting connections to intelligence right for a long time and i don't know if it had to do with their dad being compromised or i'm not sure but they were all very strange (laughs) it's very very strange yeah. yeah so anyway by october 11th this is I mean, the Reuters and the New York Times reported this, that Clark County Sheriff Joseph Lombardo presented an updated timeline of events, right? And in this updated timeline, he basically says that police claim that the security guard had been shot six minutes before Stephen Paddock began strafing the outdoor concert. And it wasn't after 
like initially reported, right? And so the delay raised all these questions about why Paddock stopped firing and why it took police so long to get to his room. And there were even reports that like the police who responded were told to stand by and mm -hmm. wait for SWAT, which is interesting. But <clears throat> yeah, dude, so if you if you have an active shooter, yeah. like, you don't stand by. I just no. I mean, it's the same shit that we saw with the uh, the elementary school. Um, yeah. You had like which hundreds. one? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Uv Uvalde. Uvalde. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you you had like a hundred fucking cops just mulling around outside while kids are being taken right. out. It's like literally it's... keeping the parents from. Yeah. Oh, my God, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't. You want you want to you want to really radicalize me? Do that, Jesus yeah. Christ, bro. <laughs> that would be that is unbelievable. Um, right. But I don't want to get into Uvalde. <laughs> right, right. But, but but I do I do want to point out real quick. The the reason we're doing this episode is because I was talking about how Alex Jones got brought back, um, right. and and I briefly went into this story. I started to talk about Vegas a little bit and how how basically I was saying that. You know, sure, the Sandy Hook stuff from Alex Jones, I, I think a lot of it's fucking nonsense. And, and I, it is a weird story, but like it's not nearly as weird as Vegas. But my, my, the point I was making on that episode was that because of the billion dollar judgment that was laid against Alex Jones, it now has made it so that all, all podcasters, all radio people, all commentators are scared to death to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're scared to death to talk about any mass shootings. And, and I brought up as, as, you know, a false flag mass shooting that deserves to be talked about that now people are afraid to because of what happened to Alex Jones is right. the Las Vegas shooting. So that that's the reason we're doing this episode. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I I, I perfectly understand that. And and by the way, when I mentioned this, the Bruce Paddock, the brother with the child porn and that weird connection to that children's organization, um, there's also a theory that uh, apparently so I'll get into Paddock owning these two planes and uh, <laughs> who it's a weird one, <laughs> but, but uh, apparently <clears throat> this is the theory about Paddock using those planes to potentially have been involved in a human trafficking operation. And oh, who yeah, knows if this on tinfoil hat, I, I did. Yeah. I mentioned this. it. Yeah. Yeah. I did mention it on tinfoil. Um, but it's crazy because I found it as <laughs> when I was just trying to dig deeper into the background of, of Paddock and it really did seem like lay out why he would be patsied probably. But, but anyway, that given that he stopped working in the 1980s after leaving the deep state defense contractor, Theokal, <laughs> the most really obvious know. question is how did Stephen Paddock make his millions, right? And so we know he owned two planes and he had a pilot's license. And we also know that his main company since 2004 is called Paradise Ranch, a joint venture with the Philippines Children Fund of America, a charity that provides a transitional home for American children we fly from the Philippines. Now, strangely enough, there's also a Paradise Ranch in the Philippines, and which is his partner's home country, Marilu Danley. Mm -hmm. And this Paradise Ranch is right next to a former U.S. Air Force base in the Clark's Freeport Zone in Angeles City, 
a very well-known site of large-scale sex, sex trafficking. So this theory posits, the obvious question is, did Stephen Paddock make his millions as an ex-CIA pilot running a human sex trafficking ring out of the Philippines? And I mean, it's as much possible as I wouldn't be surprised is the main reason that that uh, I posit that theory is well, because oh, it's yeah, so ahead. similar to Epstein and it's so similar to just it like the playbook, the pattern recognition that yeah. that I mentioned earlier. So anyway, beyond that, well, well, well let me add to some some additional fuel to this fire here um allegedly this man is making his millions by being a professional gambler who plays poker mm -hmm. on the screen you know video like poker. video poker yeah. which like i i in my 20s i was like verging on becoming a professional poker player and really um that's just not what you do to make a Absolutely living as not. a gambler it's Nobody... a fucking it's a total lie like there's just no there is no professional gambler out there that no. does that no um way. so i don't buy it at all i think that it was clearly money laundering that right he was he was receiving his income maybe he maybe he had a gambling addiction and, and he gambled a lot but it's i think that, i think that the the more likely answer is that this dude was getting his money through nefarious means gun running the child trafficking stuff I or sex right. trafficking stuff I don't know about that part but um but he has to launder it so he exactly. puts he puts all this money through these Onto machines yeah yeah he puts all this money through these machines he tries to break even and then he goes and he cashes out then it's taxable exactly I think that's, that's now that's happens. exactly what the claim is because he's even connected to this Russian mobster who was involved in operation fast and furious called something Shulayev. I have it in my notes here in a moment, but Razdan Shulayev, that's his mm. name. Yeah. And, uh, and so the, the claim is that, that these guys were in this operation running it together, uh, at least facilitating it to some degree, um, by working together and, uh, and that they were living in Vegas for that exact reason to launder their, their millions through Bing Vegas. Bingo. Yeah, yep. exactly. So now this is about the uh, the weird, um, you know, uh, timeline of events that was, you know, compromised after the sheriff came out and uh, and said, no, it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't after, you know, Jesus Campos didn't got he got shot first. It was, you know, he got shot apparently Hold on, let me let me check. Began well, strafing. First, it was before, and then that was or, it, yep. and then it was during. Exactly, and yeah. so there were several changes to the official account and the shooting of security guard Campos. And so, like I said, the first statement about the incident: police officials inaccurately reported that Campos arrived on the scene after after Paddock began firing onto the crowd. So in a second statement, police officials reported again inaccurately that Campos was shot six minutes before Paddock began firing into the crowd. That report had been based on a 9.59 p.m. notation in a hotel security log, which in a third statement was determined to have been the time when Campos encountered the barricaded door. So Sheriff Lombardo dismissed allegations 
during this press conference that the changing timeline was the result of some kind of conspiracy between the police department, the FBI, and MGM Resorts International. And he said, quote, nobody is attempting to hide anything in reference to this investigation. The dynamics and the size of this investigation requires us to go through voluminous amounts of information in order to draw an accurate picture. Look, if so, well, let's cut to the chase on, on just this one part of the story. Okay. okay. Do you believe that Campos arrives to his door before or during the shooting? I, I can't really say that one for certain because I'm really, I'm honestly, I'm like clouded about, I have clouded vision when it comes to Campos as far as I was gonna, how I was gonna much. Say, I'm not even sure the motherfucker really went played. there. Yeah, that's what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. I really don't know. Um, but here, here's here's the reason that uh, this story doesn't make sense to me. Just to give the audience, you know, my my logic as I'm as I'm going through this, you have uh, so, I why would you send this guy to his door, it, and and why would you send him to his door minutes prior to this shooting? That's that's odd in its own right. But then, so my logic says, okay, they sent this guy up there because they hear something happening from the room. Right. If that's the case, Campos arrives and he hears holy hell being <laughs> rained from that room. Oh my God. I, he hears it because it's, right. it's going out. And then he has it fired at him yep. to the tune of dozens, if not hundreds of rounds. Right. He then concludes that it's a BB gun. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. So this dude hears thousands of rounds fucking getting <laughs> shot out this way. He then has a hundred rounds shot at him and he goes, this silly guy has a BB gun. What <laughs> the fuck are we talking about? It's mind-boggling, dude. I mean, come on. So so my point is, you have to know, whoever gets sent there, why were they sent there? Was it because right. we heard hundreds of rounds being fired from the room, or mm -hmm. is it because his door was jammed? And if right. the door was jammed thing, then okay, then that's the reason. But... This shouldn't be, be hard to figure out, is my point. No, and it would be really nice if we could, you know, get get in touch with Campos in any way possible, and he didn't completely disappear after all this. But yeah, I think he, I think he lives in Mexico now. <laughs> Dude, what the hell? Assuming so, he's still in the land of the living, which right. Uh, and on know. that point, man, like, and they like deleted, erased his history of being employed with MGM afterward. Which little, you know, I'm a little Why skeptical not? on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But didn't, like didn't Ellen give him like a trip to Disney World or some shit at the end of that? This is the part. So <laughs> this the is the fuck? part, dude. So lawyers for the injured claimed that, and this is attorney Catherine Lombardo, who launched the civil lawsuits against and investigation into the October 1, 2017 Mandalay Bay shooting. And lawyers for the injured claimed that she was right when she asserted that the MGM Mandalay Bay Casino paid jesus campo for his silence set up the public relations stunt on the ellen degeneres show which was coincidentally owned by mgm international and rushed their security guard jesus campos into hiding mm -hmm. so the baltimore post examiner revealed that campos was paid for his silence did in fact sign that non-disclosure agreement and that the Ellen DeGeneres show was, and the appearance was scripted. 
and the BPE claims that an interview with the brother-in-law of Campos confirms that MGM booked the TV show appearance, that Campos was flown to the TV show by MGM, that the walking cane that Campos used on TV was just a prop, that MGM gave him a rental car, provided several hotel suites for him and his family at the Dara Hotel, and that MGM did in fact hide Campos in a condo in the Vegas area. And the most shocking confirmation came when Campos was reported as saying that the hotel security staff knew that Paddock had weapons inside his hotel room. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So Louis Castro was the brother-in-law. In In December 9th, 2018, he said his former brother-in-law, Mandalay Bay security officer Jesus Campos, told him that MGM Resorts International knew that gunman Stephen Paddock had suspicious amounts of luggage and guns in his room, but security neglected it because of his high roller status. That's what he claims. Then he said that Campos signed the NDA with MGMRI and received an all-expenses-paid trip and gifted two condos where he could reside. MGMRI hid Campos under guard at the Dara Hotel and Spa after the October 1 Vegas massacre for protection where his room and meals were provided. Now, this odd story (laughs) gets even more unusual. When reports surfaced tying Campos to the Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center where he had gone for his alleged stress therapy, which had once been a prominent facility used in the CIA's mind control program run by Lewis Jollyon West as a part of Project MKUltra. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> yo, I'm going to I'm going to triply here triply you here right now. The hammer of the gods has been dropped. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. <laughs> that is a fucking crazy connection I did not know about. Holy For shit. Real. Yo, For all real. right, hold up. Let me let me once again go back to my logic-based analysis here. Sounds good. Assume assume this is a, the security guard that literally is the first man on scene during this. Why in the fuck is MGM basically putting him into witness protection, giving him giving him a singular scripted interview, giving him a couple condos, giving him a vacation? What the fuck is this? I mean, just none of that makes sense. Sure, maybe you like you you give him early retirement, you give him a pension or something like that. You don't give him multiple condos and vacations and a and a singular interview on Ellen. This is, fuck you, dude. That's yeah. not what you do if you're a corporate no. overlord. That's not the Absolutely. fucking thing that happens. Right. And MGMRI even sued victims' families, families of, of people that died because they said they weren't responsible. And it was actually the security at the festival that should have been responsible. Right. But then but then they fucking blow Jesus. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Come on, man. That's absurd, Come the fuck man. on. Mm-hmm. So... We're uh, the only other thing that I really wanted to touch on before we we finished with Paddock and Silkway Airlines, unless you want me to skip past the, the Saudi connection. I'm not sure, but it's it's really important. Yeah, um, I mean, what, wherever you wherever you think is most important. I mean, we, we've got to got to truncate some of this because there's so much weirdness. But yeah, definitely, wherever, yeah. whatever angle you want to take it. Awesome. OK, so. Like I said, before we establish who exactly Stephen Paddock could potentially have been, we should 
pull on this thread, which is the story of a counter coup in Saudi Arabia playing out in Vegas on October 1st at the Mandalay Bay. So multiple reports suggest that the massacre was presented to the public as just another mass shooting, opportunistically exploiting the tragedy while providing another false flag event in order to cover up an assassination attempt on the Saudi crown prince and key United States ally, Mohammed bin Salman. And so pretty much what there's like an FBI handler that's in front of the sheriff and uh, during the press conference or behind the sheriff, I mean, and he's like, seems like a handler of some kind because he leans up in the ear of the sheriff and whispers, don't go there. When he was asked a pretty pertinent question by the media there. And then do you know what the question was? I, I have to go watch it, to okay. be honest. Yeah, I need to go watch it. But with so many of the other accounts, though, of multiple shooters, gates being locked so that people couldn't escape. And, and there's too many other, you know, obvious questions, such as like shootings occurring in other casinos that we mentioned, not within range of Paddock's hotel room window. But so many details about the event being covered up. I mean, and even more, it, 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 it really does point to Paddock really just seemingly becoming a scapegoat for um, the more sinister event. So this, to me, it seemed plausible. But again, this is more like a tangential theory, you know, um, that I but, can't quite prove. Yeah, but. I will. I will say, though, you know, that is right after this event is when the uh, basically like the power accumulation and the, the old guard in in Saudi starts to get arrested and put on on the house arrest. Purge. Yeah. yeah, and they they put them all in, and once again they put them all in hotels. In, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. They... <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of that, but that's what he did. He 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 like, he like he puts them on house. He puts them on house arrest in these like fancy hotels and shit because they're yeah. all princes and kings and shit. But right. um, very odd. But let, let me just let me kind of say why I question that one because okay. if you're going to assassinate MBS, like right. I don't understand why you would run an op of this magnitude. Like, no, I'm like, with you. That doesn't make any sense to it me. It doesn't, but here's my my only the main reason that I do consider this is basically because it seems like Al Walid bin Al Talal, who who was a major uh, shareholder in Citigroup, who also apparently I didn't look into this, but Sam did mention that there were connections. Um, that potentially linked him to help fund Obama's collegiate career, <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah, him, like Obama literally was funded by Awalid bin Al Talal to go to college and all this weird stuff. And we know that Citigroup did, I mean, 100% dictate who would be named in Obama's cabinet. I mean, that came out and it's a fact, like every single person that was listed became a, a member of his administration. So it did seem like Citigroup had quite a bit of pull in the Obama administration. So that alone wow. was just at least extraordinary, you yeah, know, very and interesting. Then, yeah. And so then you have this, the notion that 
there's this power struggle happening not only in Saudi Arabia, but we had just we had just uh, uh, Trump had just been elected. And so you still had Obama regime holdovers that were kind of apparently causing a bit of chaos uh, within the new administration. And so you don't say right <laughs> with his multiple impeachments. And uh, right. Yeah. And if you remember, Trump was at the very least, he was verbalizing that he wanted to stop funding Operation Fast and Furious by mm -hmm. arming and funding ISIS. And at the very least, he made that clear publicly. And uh, so I find that interesting because Al-Walid bin Al-Talal is connected to these Wahhabist jihadist groups and had apparently been funding, you know, uh, groups associated with ISIS at this time. And so is, is Al-Talal some billionaire in Saudi or what? he's a billionaire. He's the cousin of MBS. So he's a gotcha. part of the royal family type gotcha. scenario. But he was also he it's weird because I think he was pissed off because MBS didn't necessarily have uh it he wasn't naturally supposed to be the the crown prince that apparently was like um a political a power struggle in saudi yep. that and they forced that to happen and he wasn't the natural in line for the crown right. and so it caused a lot of problems within the family itself from from everything that i've read and that his cousin al-walid bin al-talal was was pissed off and and mm -hmm. he felt that that would should have been his position and uh, apparently they uh the idea is that stephen paddock was an arms dealer mm -hmm. and that we were arming jihadist isis associated groups and that they met paddock in the hotel room to check out his cache of weapons to to do it a deal mm -hmm. but then there's an alternative theory that claims that they they used they used this distraction to attempt to draw like i said draw attention away from their priority target which the notion is because al-walid bin al-talal owned the top five floors of the Mandalay Bay Hotel co-owned it with Bill Gates. And so there's all these reports that claim that there was that you can see um, shots being fired from above Paddock's room. Right. Mm. And like at least two floors above or something like that. And um, and so that pretty much what they said is that the, it was either. And it's crazy because there were two different groups that looked like they were armed security. And they were, uh, I guess the notion is, they were, uh, and I'll, there's this uh, report, by the way, that even shows that Al-Walid bin Al-Talal confessed to sending a team of snipers to Vegas. And um, On that day? Yes. What and so I need to find it real quick, though. Well, it just, uh, it just, I mean, it, like if you're going to take out your cousin still, that's, I mean, the, you want a distraction. That's a fucking distraction, bro. No kidding. Right. <laughs> like, no kidding. So you got it. You got to injure also, hundreds of people and kill 60. Jesus right. Christ. But I think it was more than that because the theory uh, posits that it was the, the 
it was a symbol as well be, uh, to Trump, right? A oh. threat to Trump. To okay. you are because Trump was publicly in support of Mohammed bin Salman becoming crown prince. Got it. And okay, he was well the, then then that that would make sense. Then it's not just a right. distraction. It's it's because a, that's Trump's voting base at a country music festival yeah, was the not the idea, yeah. right? So it's a, and, it's a dual purpose op. It's to take exactly. out MBS. So, but MBS gets out of there somehow. So yeah, because apparently. <laughs> There were three helicopters in the area, and one seemed to perform some exfiltration uh, on top of one of these hotels. And and it's really weird because and that gets super convoluted because apparently there was this plane that it it had uh, it was scheduled to arrive in Vegas. I forget where it was flying from, but it was grounded, and it was delayed for over seven hours. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. But still, FAA uh, reports show that plane's um, identification on the tail of and what you have to like uh, verify with FAA when you're when you're uh, flying into an area. It was reported that tail number for that plane that was grounded that was never in Vegas at that time was reported in that very moment. But linked to a helicopter. Yes. And so the how idea the is that. How is that even possible? No kidding. And yeah. then F and then FAA uh, seemed to do like uh, a huge purge on all their records after this. <laughs> well, right? Of yeah. course. Of course. And what's that um what's that um uh business and account that that f- flight aware? Isn't that it? The one that that uh follows like um oh yeah 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 the one yeah, that, yeah. that elon banned temporarily yeah 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 yeah. so according to that we had uh, a lot of evidence as well because that wasn't erased until after the faa purged their their records oh, and so it was it's a super interesting as far as that one's concerned because it does seem like the helicopter came into the area and exfiltrated someone from one of the hotels and it from, could have from been from the roof from the roof of one of the hotels exactly and yeah. it was was mbs in mandalay bay or mgm or do we know tropicana it was yeah. in tropicana okay that's the claim so and the you know the media never covered any of this no <laughs> right i mean that that's what that's what infuriates me about this shit is like they'll call us conspiracy theorists it's like because right. y'all ain't doing your fucking job man exactly we're trying to get answers because you guys aren't doing anything to actually like shed light on this and by the way lombardo the sheriff Mm -hmm. fucking dirty dude super super dirty um (laughs) and i think i mean this is vegas so it's kind of to be expected but the the way you described it having this fbi handler in his ear of course of course Mm -hmm. that's how it how they would roll i mean that's how they would probably roll in this situation anywhere in the country but particularly in vegas like there are so many, there's so much financial interests that are at play here. This is what this is what complicates it, and it makes it very hard to assess too. Is like all of these major, like mega corporations that are are mob tied, they're cartel tied, um, that that own these these casinos. It's like they, they're not going to want to. They're going to want to bury this story anyways because they want to get back to business. Yeah. So who's going to want to go to Vegas after? I didn't. All these people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was horrified to go back to Vegas after this happened. So, um, I know I like they they have a lot of incentive to to do a lot of weird shit anyways. 
which which makes this more challenging to assess and be like, all right, are they doing this because they want to bury they want to just bury this story? Be like, it's a lone gunman. We need to. He's dead. You're safe. You know, like right. is it that simple, or are there are there players involved that know that something you know really fucking nefarious was going down aside from the sixty people being murdered? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and like I said, like what the media failed to even mention was that at the same time of the Vegas massacre, the highly controversial crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, was in a resort at the same time as the shootings took place and is alleged to have been seen in a video being ushered out to escape what may have been the assassination attempt. And I saw that video of the Tropicana. It's hard to 100% confirm that that's MBS, you know? But still, there is... It looks like he's a highly protected asset. And you have all these armed security guards that don't look like they're... One of them looks like he's Mossad. Specifically has an Israeli uh, military weapon that's Mm -hmm. like very unique. And he's the guy in the front. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Not at all. And so... He's a it it was a highly protected asset of some kind because they all come into the the uh, floor of the Tropicana and they point their guns at all the people just regular civilians and tell them get your arms up now wow. right yeah and so, yeah these these dudes aren't fucking around this is this hell. is basically you know special forces or or a secret service for the president what like that's what like they would do me. Yeah. and there's reports of like I mentioned earlier two different groups of armed security what they claimed were armed security guards that had uh different um wardrobes like different uh but they were similar both groups weren't this like they were different but the group was the same right they had they all had the same wardrobe and so it looked like two groups of armed security guards were fighting each other that was literally reported and so well, if if that's the case, then that that does play very, very well into the thesis of, of it being an assassination attempt, especially once I get to what uh, Al-Walid bin Al-Talal uh, uh, allegedly confessed, because that makes so much more sense to me. Uh, so who it, did he who did he allegedly confess to, though? Like, uh, why would, why would I, I you have confess? it? It's weird. I had it. I have it noted right down here. I'll, I'll get to it. OK, so. <clears throat> Like I said, MBS was allegedly in that resort at the same time. And shortly after, the crown prince returned to Saudi and the Saudi purge began, right? Executed Mm -hmm. the arrests and killings of dozens, if not hundreds, of princes and officials. And uh, what they claimed was the government needed to perform a massive sweep to stop corruption. (laughs) Right? Yep. So. uh, A.K.A. protect his own corruption. Yeah, exactly. So by November 6th, Saudi Arabia's young crown prince, MBS, uh, he, he decided to to perform this purge. And uh, so it appears to have been aimed at stomping out potential rivals or critics, which is like, you, like you were saying, right? Yeah. So um, most stunning, though, in the arrest of 11 princes, 38 officials and businessmen are the detentions of two sons of the late King Abdullah. And until Saturday, uh, this was on November 6th, 2017, right? So until then, Prince Meteb bin Abdullah had headed the powerful National Guard. Prince Turkey bin Abdullah 
was once governor of the capital, Riyadh. And the story goes, three months before the Vegas shooting, 32-year-old uh, uh, Mohammed bin Salman was made the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, which was met with President Trump's pers personal show of support, causing a power struggle between MBS and his cousin, multi-billionaire Al-Walid bin, bin Talal, who is known for funding extremist Wahhabist jihadist groups, like I mentioned, and co-owned the Four Seasons Hotel with Bill Gates on floors 35 through 39 of the Mandalay Bay Hotel building. And that's when the video I mentioned earlier was made public, appearing to show what looks like a weapon firing from a window six floors above Paddock's room in the Four mm -hmm. Seasons. Now, this theory suggests the mass shooting was a Saudi Arabian assassin assassination plot run amok and that there was a failed attempt against MBS at the Tropic Tropicana Hotel that night. Describing the massacre at the Route 91 Harvest Festival as a savage message of warning to President Trump, simultaneously serving as a distraction to create chaos, drawing focus away from the primary target. Now, that's when the video surfaced I mentioned the night of October 1st, showing a group of armed guards telling patrons the Tropicana to get their arms up as a highly protected person is escorted through the casino. And this theory describes Paddock as a pilot and a gun runner who had accumulated his millions from smuggling weapons, often in covert operations, using the casino and his alleged appetite for video poker, like we were saying, as a convenient front to launder dirty money. So Stephen Paddock, was an IRS agent. And in 1985, he worked as an auditor for the Defense Contract Audit Agency. So toward the end of the 1980s, Paddock worked for three years as an internal auditor for a company that later merged to form none other than Lockheed Martin. A report by Political Veilcraft, they explain that looking closely, the first thing you will notice is that the shooter, Stephen Paddock, had a pilot's license and owned two planes. Now, this is well established. And these planes are associated with a company called Volant LLC, right? So Volant Associates is none other than a Department of Defense contractor. And October 18th, 2017, an article was published with the title, CIA creates Las Vegas massacre reality show. And this is when, as the shooter's information leads to takedown of ISIS leaders, that was a part of the headline. Allegedly at the same time, the CIA continues its narrative fixing meme about the Las Vegas massacre. CIA gun runner, Steven Paddock's Filipino girlfriend, Marilu Danley, provided pro-Trump forces with vital intelligence about Paddock's arms deliveries to ISIS terrorists in the Philippines, enabling the Philippines military to defeat the remains of ISIS in the war-torn city of Marawi after their troops took out two leading members of the jihadi network. <laughs> so, unreal. by the way, after that, Danley was placed on the U.S. no-fly list, preventing her from leaving America. And she's a terrorist. <laughs> so she's our terrorist. Though. So crazy, man. So, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? For real. So CIA gunrunner Stephen Paddock's arms deals with ISIS terrorists in the Philippines as it relates to the Las Vegas massacre began in July 2017 when, like I mentioned, 
former Obama regime holdover officials embedded within President Trump's Department of Transportation shockingly granted U.S. air rights to Silkway Airlines. This is when the story gets even crazier. Silkway Airlines is an Azerbaijani state-run cargo airline that was exposed in February 2017 as being a major carrier for arms to terrorists that it hid in diplomatic cargo and whom Bulgarian investigative reporter Dilyana Gaitensheva documented the CIA was a major customer of and that after making these revelations was interrogated, tortured, and then fired from her job for linking the CIA to Syrian terrorists, by the way. And so, yes. And so upon President Trump being alerted to these former Obama regime officials approving Silkway Airlines flights into the U.S., FBI forces loyal to him revealed that an early June 2017 flight of this airline landed in Chicago and was met by known associates of the feared Las Vegas-based Russian mafia leader Razdan Shulaya, and whom these same FBI forces quickly put under arrest, along with nearly his entire criminal organization. On August 1st, a Silkway Airlines flight from Dubai was scheduled to land in Chicago, but whose arrival was delayed until August 3rd due to mechanical issues, and that upon its arrival, an American man named Stephen Paddock arrived at the U.S. Customs Gate of O'Hare International Airport <laughs> to allegedly accept this plane. So after the FBI linked both Vegas-based Russian mafia leader Razdan Shulaya and Vegas-based Stephen Paddock to these Silkway Airlines arms delivery cargo flights directed by the CIA and arriving in Chicago, SVR the Russian Foreign Intelligence Service, they had analysts and they claimed they needed no mental exertion at all to quickly determine that they were both <laughs> part of an international arms smuggling ring and who were able to launder their millions of dollars of profit in the American gambling mecca they both called home. Bingo. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I like I sussed this out without even knowing any of that. I was right. like, I was you like, this, this this just makes the most sense. Um, exactly. Wow, man. what a crazy story! And you know, the, just to add more, uh, you know, credence to the thesis about the MBS assassination attempt, you know, it, the Saudis are so deeply embedded with our State Department, are because they're like they're our people. Like right. even though they're yeah. fucking. I, most of the most of the 9-11 hijackers come from saudi so it's like right right like and also they you know they they do arm and fund you know all of these super radical sects of islam and right. and i think they do that at the behest of our our cia and as well as Mossad, because i think that that's what they want uh as we've I found not out be surprised brother yeah well i mean we, we know this in syria that we were yeah. arming the moderate rebels <laughs> right like, oh my god it's like what the fuck but then you also find out that netanyahu is like helping to get funding to hamas and before that attack happens it's like this is kind of the mo of what they right. do uh, but my, the point i'm trying to make is it makes a lot of sense that the saudis would know that paddock works for the cia so yeah. they can they can use him as the fall guy and and then they know that the cia will bury it because he's their guy right he, he's their asset so that's what it seems like to me and that's uh, interesting man and by the way that source that i i um 
I found it from earlier that I mentioned that Al Talal supposedly confessed confessed this. Or I think it's just Talal. I can't. Al Walid bin Talal, or anyway, yeah. I think that's his name. So, according to attorney Matthias Chang, Saudi Prince Al Al Walid Talal admitted under interrogation that he sent an elite team of snipers from the Saudi Royal Air Force to the Mandalay Bay Hotel on the night of the Las Vegas massacre, and in an email. It's only screen captured, but it's it's still pretty damning. Uh, and it was uploaded to Twitter. Chang details how the Saudi prince sent snipers to the Mandalay Bay to occupy the floors above Paddock's room. The fuck, dude. So, and as if gets, things that gets no news coverage, like, right? And as if things aren't weird enough, I stumbled onto this. You know Ken Silva, right? He's, yeah. he's just killing it, doing amazing work on how PatCon never ended, basically. And yeah, yep. I, I had Ken on to do the OKC deep dive. He's so great, man. That that series, the Fed Files. Oh my god! <laughs> it, oh my god! <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so <clears throat> he he published this, by the way, about Stephen Paddock, um, and. I love this so much because it's right up my alley, man. He speaks my language. But so in the aftermath of 2017, and he got this published at Headline USA, by the way. And he claims that after in the aftermath of the 2017 Vegas shooting, there were reports that gunman Stephen Paddock had told people around him he was a government experiment and would often lie in bed moaning and screaming in mental anguish. A link was provided to an exclusive archived article stating that a prostitute last seen with Las Vegas shooter Stephen Paddock just before his deadly rampage has mysteriously vanished. The Sin City escort was reported missing by her boyfriend several days after the October 1 shooting that left 60 dead and over 800 injured. A former sex worker who once dated Paddock and is now cooperating with the FBI, told Radar in, a, in an exclusive interview. She was telling girls after work that she was scared something would happen to her, claimed former escort Michaela, whose full name is being withheld to protect her identity. She was booked the day before or the day of the shooting before she disappeared. What's more, Radar has learned just before the rampage paddock uh, began sending bizarre text messages to another of Michaela's call girl pals. There's messages where Steven is telling her he's a government experiment and that, and that they are listening to everything he says and does and they can hack into his brain and take over, Michaela said. In late March of 2023, the FBI released a trove of records that may be related to those claims. The new, heavily redacted FBI records show that a special agent interviewed a worker at Mesa View Hospital in Mesquite, Nevada, which is where Paddock had one of his homes, about a week after the October 1st, 2017 shooting. The agent apparently asked the Mesa View worker about rumors that Paddock had been on a psychiatric hold, which is when a patient is being mentally evaluated, often involuntarily. The heavily redacted FBI memo says, redacted, told redacted, that Paddock had been at Mesa View on a psychiatric hold and that redacted. The FBI memo also says that a hospital official sent an email to employees instructing, instructing them 
not to search for Paddock's medical records. So the name of the official who sent the email was redacted. And no, <laughs> and no more details about this incident are included in the records. Additionally, the FBI memo discusses who Paddock's sitter may have been. So at Mesa View, apparently somebody is required to sit outside of the room where the psychiatric patient is being held. It, and in the memo, it says redacted also heard a rumor that redacted had sat with Paddock. So Paddock's rumored Mesa View trips were first revealed in December 2017 when the Las Vegas Review Journal reported that law enforcement issued a search warrant for all of Paddock's medical records from the facility. There were also media reports from 2017 about Paddock being prescribed diazepam, a sedative hypnotic drug. And on September oh, wow. 11, 2017, this is probably going to be my last note on this. This I, I have to mention the 4chan Anon message, which was literally posted less than a month before the attack. And it was posted on September 11th, which is just weird as hell, you know? Mm -hmm. So he claims that there was a high incident project underway and Vegas was the likely target. And the post read, if their plan is successful, state of Nevada will pass a law in the future making all casinos have mandatory metal detectors and backscatter machines. Soon after, a federal law will be passed to put these machines in universities, high schools, federal buildings, you name it. OSI Systems and Chertoff Group are the main producers of these machines. Sometime around 2020, Chertoff and OSI will merge into a single company. After they merge, the owners will sell off all their stock and make billions in profit. Michael Chertoff has been in contact with Sheldon Adelson. Mr. Adelson will become a huge sponsor of these machines, and he will be the first to put them in his casinos when the law passes. Sheldon Adelson was a billionaire mega donor and casino magnate, perennial top donor to the Donald Trump campaign in 2016, and has been called a Republican kingmaker. Yep. Michael He's Chertoff. The Soros of the right. Oh, yeah. Michael Chertoff has quite the history. Not only was he linked to the Clinton Whitewater scandal in 1995 as an appointee of Bill Clinton naming Chertoff special counsel, but he was also involved as the lead prosecutor presiding over the trial of the blind sheik Omar Abdul Rahman following the false flag bombing of the World Trade Center building in 1993. <laughs> it's a bunch of weird coincidences, man. Nothing to see here. Right. And so Michael Chertoff, he's a... Not only is he a member of the Atlantic Council, but he was also the second United States Secretary of Homeland Security. Mm -hmm. He's listed as one of the authors of the Patriot Act and was in the convenient position of Assistant Attorney General in charge of criminal investigations on 9-11. After the underwear bomber fiasco, it was Chertoff who recommended new body scanners for airports while simultaneously making millions of dollars off his lobbying firm Chertoff Group, who represented manufacturers of the scanners, in particular Rapiscan, who's one of the two companies that were contracted by TSA. Bingo. And I end my podcast by saying, as Oscar Wilde once said, 
the truth is rarely pure and never simple. No shit, and- man. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely not simple, but it is. I mean, my goodness. Well, actually, I, I, we, I was so riveted by this conversation that I, uh, I forgot to do our, our ad read. So let me do that real quick. <laughs> Uh, Phoenix, and this is a really weird tie-in, <laughs> <laughs> but Phoenix Ammunition is the premier supplier to the militia industrial complex oh with 100% of their sales going directly to American citizens, no military contracts, no law enforcement deals, simply the highest quality American-made ammunition served directly to Stephen Paddock. I'm just kidding, FBI. <laughs> Uh, to the people the Second Amendment was written for. Phoenix Ammo uses the highest quality components, uh, component parts and the most advanced quality control systems in the country to de- deliver exactly what you expect while, while at the range or when your life is on the line and performance matters above all else, just like with Jesus Campos. Head to <laughs> phoenixammo.com, subscribe to their propaganda newsletter and follow them on Twitter at Phoenix Ammunition for the latest in product updates, high quality trolling, small libertarian commentary and world-class meme warfare. You can save up to 25% off all day, every day with their automatic volume-based discounts. Come for the ammo, stay for the memes, phoenixammo.com. And uh, I still want to do some some closing thoughts on this. So go ahead. Um, I think, you know, basically this reinforces my assessment that, that Paddock was uh, a, the fall guy. He was, he was the, he was a gun runner uh, for the, probably the FBI, CIA, whoever, um, I think that the Saudis probably did play a role, uh, even though I had discounted that. It, it does seem there's too much going on for it to, <laughs> <laughs> for it not to be, uh, you know, in some in some way involved. I'm I'm still. I mean, Mary Lou Danley does seem like she's an asset. Uh, yeah. I mean, we didn't even get into the fact that his house was like seized, and and there's some other weirdness with his his properties and. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and his property being, um, you know, taken, his brother getting charged, you know, with, with the, the child porn stuff. There's, there's right. a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of fucking weirdness that, that adds into it. But so I think that Steven, I don't, I personally, I don't even think he was the gunman. What do you think? No, I don't either. I, I don't, I think that especially after I read Ken Silva's piece on that potential Manchurian candidate type scenario. Uh, I mean, uh, I seems, he seems like an MK Ultra victim, but I still don't think I, mean. I still don't think that he's he's capable of doing. No, what, I think that I think that especially after I I went so deep on the RFK assassination with Sirhan Sirhan, and that above all else convinced me how real Manchurian Candidate really is, man. Like they achieved it on a level I I just I. I never thought was possible, you know. Well, isn't and, the isn't the Manchurian candidate when you have a politician who's an MK Ultra, like victim? Well, I guess I, I think I'm just using it as, uh, you know, basically, he's a mind controlled patsy. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, and and so they they just. I mean, RFK um, RFK Jr. wants him to be released. I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. and I think so he, and, and and you know how deep he is in the weeds yeah. on the CIA shit. So and he he's probably right, knows. by the way, about um who it even was that was responsible for firing the shots that killed his father because it was basically this a security guard who was moonlighting as a security guard and he was truly like an asset for the CIA and FBI and and he 
it's pretty much proven that he also got rid of the murder weapon and like right after the fact and yeah. and, and they, uh, they changed didn't they change his pathway of exit or yep. entrance or something like that like oh yeah day yeah and yeah. and which you would sirhan, never fucking do sirhan was he was literally mind controlled through a process of that woman i forget uh elaine neal is the woman with the polka dot dress or whatever and it turns out that you know, they had been conditioning him through taking him to first. It takes all these crazy pharmaceuticals that they implement as well. And it breaks down, you know, and, and you basically get this dissociative identity disorder type scenario happen. And you aren't even aware you go into a trance and it's a hypnotic state. Hmm. And a lot of the people that have been affected by it, they don't know what their trigger is. And it seemed like with Sirhan, it was like had to do with uh, coffee and this this girl's dress. And it was a physical and uh, visual. visual. Mm -hmm. And also she made she touched him specifically on the back of the ear when she whispered something in his ear that basically launched him into this uh trance where all he knew how to do and this is why even after he was tackled his finger was still frantically pulling as if he had a wow. gun yeah dude and they put they had hypnotists for the prosecution and the defense in his trial that hypnotized him and had him do perform a monkey routine where he climbs up onto the bars and starts acting like a monkey dude what the and fuck? and the hypnotist goes, the only way that that is possible is because he has been significantly hypnotized, you know, in the past. Mm -hmm. And like mm -hmm. he explained how all of it was was pretty much this mind control operation with the different strategies that they implement to to. Uh, 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 well, so my main point, though, is that I think that Stephen Paddock. He could have just as easily have been triggered into a trance just to be on the scene, which I don't know. I, I doubt that's probably what happened. I would think that maybe he was just there trying to perform his typical operation of selling some weapons on behalf of the FBI and ATF's uh, and CIA's uh, Operation Fast and Furious, which was going, it was at its height at this point. And so for me, it was like, this was, operation fast and furious blowing up in their face but also they were forced to implement a cover-up i don't think it was necessarily you know a plan by the feds to to create that mass casualty event i think they basically realized they had no other option than to cover it up as frantically as possible you yeah. know and quickly as possible and so i don't i don't believe stephen paddock fired any shots that night I think that he was dead before any of that happened, you know, and, and I think that he was uh, either an asset hung out to dry because he, he was expendable at this point, or I'm not certain what the case is with that, but I definitely don't believe it was him who fired the shots. You know, I'll yeah. say that much. Right? Yeah, I mean, for, for an op of this magnitude, yeah. like almost everybody that's in their circle is going to be expendable. So, right. yeah, he's just some fucking gun runner. Maybe he's involved yeah. in, you know, child trafficking. They're like, fuck this guy. We right. And the reason we knew nothing whatever. about him 
where his brother is acting like he was just a private person. It's because he's probably a spook. Yeah. Right. And yeah. And so he's operating in the criminal underworld, yeah. you know, with a bunch of feds. He's yeah, supposed I mean, to be he, a he's, ghost. He's got no, know? he's got like no like public track right. record. Like he's no just like, picture, he's just a ghost. Like, yeah, exactly. Which to and, me, yeah, it, it's a created person, uh, uh, you know, for the intelligence community. And yeah. they utilize these people all the time. They have talent spotters all over the world. I mean, they, they look for these, even the gifted programs in public school is like basically a way for talent spotters for the CIA to go, oh, you have a photographic memory and you have all these different characteristics that are useful. In, in, wow. In, I never yes, heard about that, dude. That's like Barry Seal, specifically Barry Seal is a great example of that. And um, yeah, they had him ever since he was like 16 years old, you know, because he was super skilled as a pilot. And they basically trained him and, and he was he in... Was, he was the drug runner for, for Mina, Arkansas, right? Yeah, dude. And he yeah. was also in Dave Ferry, in David Ferry's Civil Air Patrol unit. The same one that Lee Harvey Oswald was in. Fuck, dude. <laughs> it's, it's so crazy. And Dave well, Ferry's the guy who got, uh, you know, murdered, suicided or whatever after the JFK assassination. Uh, but, yeah, and he was in on the plot for the kill squad for jfk so they had multiple they had like different stations of shooters like um to make sure that when jfk got hit he was struck by multiple bullets at once it was like it's such a crazy story when you get into that oh my god yeah well but, i mean to me it's crystal clear that his his uh he's being hit by multiple trajectories you know whether exactly. or not whether or not it's at once i don't know but um <clears throat> yeah the way his head fucking flies back and shit it's like right come on <laughs> like, what the fuck sure, are we man. even talking about um, <laughs> but you know if they can if they can bury a an assassination of a president then they can right. certainly bury this um yeah, and yeah. i believe that that in 63 man that was a coup and then and then immediately afterward they wrap up all their loose ends they tie them all off i mean how many assassinations occurred within you know i mean mlk malcolm x uh rfk you know yeah. and it's it's it is almost as everyone if, like every civil rights leader gone yeah see ya yeah well, the symbol is dead yep and you know but it's weird because like then then they co-opted the civil rights movement and they made it this like dei esg variant of itself and kind yes. of this like marxist uh version of itself so yeah. Very, very dark shit. <laughs> very really dark is. shit. Uh, really but, is. but I think that the uh, you know the Vegas shooting, it, it I mean, obviously, it, it there needs more investigations. There, there, it, <laughs> well, the, yeah. To to put it very, very mildly, um, <laughs> but I think that like what what disturbs me most is how much the Saudis play a role in some of the worst. I mean, the worst domestic terrorist attacks in American history, uh, yep. with both nine eleven as well as this, and and it's like. They get they get away with it every time because yeah. they they trade their oil in U.S. dollars and I guess that's all it takes. <laughs> you Most can, definitely, you guys can kill as many Americans as you want as long as you continue to sell your oil and gas in U.S. dollars. Right. It's like what the fuck. And I mean, remember right after nine eleven when the footage went viral, kind of 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 um, the dancing Israelis that yeah. they they claimed were Palestinians, and like Howard Stern was like, "We need to just drop a nuke on Palestine," like. 
literally oh, I, didn't, that, I didn't hear about that. yeah right after 9 11 when all the reports were claiming that those people who were celebrating when the the attacks happened filming it already and had a tripod ready to go on the top of a building that could perfectly witness what was about to take place mm-hmm. they then celebrate victoriously even holding lighters up to the building like oh ho, ho, watch it you know what i'm that, right. that really right. happened apparently and in the original reports were all covering it up by saying that they were palestinians yeah. And then when one of the vans, because it was Urban Moving Systems, I think was the name of it. They had all these different vans that were apparently it was like some uh, uh, operation that was taking place because one of those vans was also found at the base of of uh, the first tower and uh, was also spotted days prior and had access to an elevator shaft, which was supposedly under maintenance. But in reality, the person that had the contract to that uh, elevator um, uh, repair company was none other than George Bush's brother. <laughs> oh, Jeb? Not Jeb. Oh, the other it one. Was, yeah. But what the hell? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But one of those vans got pulled over that morning. All right. And you know what it had on it? A mural of the Twin Towers. Yep. burning and one of them being hit by a plane (laughs) on the side of yes oh my god and they get pulled over and they're israeli and the first thing that they say to the cops is we're not your problem the palestinians are the problem huh swear to god huh and they had a bunch of uh um uh a bunch of different things in the in the van that were uh, apparently like, you know, for explosive devices, right? So Yeah, I've heard about that part. Man, well, it sounds every like maybe... single time you yeah. dig into these things, right? <laughs> I mean, it's never <laughs> what they say, right? It's... No. Well, it's, it sounds like maybe the op was being ran to, to start a war against Palestine as opposed to Iraq and Afghanistan. It looks but... like some people wanted that. Yeah, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then it then it gets used for Iraq and Afghanistan P-NAC. and a bunch yeah, of other yeah. nations. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. They go, well, right. we'll get we'll get to Palestine later. Well, I, I got one more question for you, but first I want to uh thank Nadoshaveco.com. It's uh, Christmas is just around the corner. Use promo code lockdown for 15% off. Enjoy your shave. It's the best stainless steel blade out there. If your mom's got a rough upper upper lip, if your your sister's got crazy overgrown hair on her legs, get her the best in the game. Single blade stainless steel N A D E A U shaveco.com. Better known, family operated, best razor out there. Seriously, Christmas gifts for dad, your stepdad, your brother, yourself. N A D E A U shaveco.com. Promo code lockdown. All right, let's let's close out with uh, you know, just if there's any if there's any closing comments on Vegas uh, aside from what, what we've already covered, um, is there anything we've missed? <sighs> I mean, there's always things that I, you know, for sure I didn't detail. I mean, we, we, we really didn't get into all of these helicopters that are, are flying around. That that was an interesting thing that I looked into uh, a while ago. Um, Yeah. And I need to hammer that down. We also didn't talk about, you know, there, there potentially being, uh, you know, multiple shooters from different angles. You, you kept talking about how they, they might've been a, a couple floors above. There's actually footage uh, that I saw on Twitter that I, you know, it's 
unfortunately, like you can't verify any of this shit because right. it's like it's all buried on the major social media platforms. So you can only mm -hmm. get like these random clips here and there. But there's this taxi right. cab going around. And as as she like yeah. turns, you can actually see gunfire coming from a very low fourth level floor. It's like yeah. the fourth floor. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm like, uh, what the fuck? And it really right. does look like gunfire. But then, you know, CGI or whatever. Like, I can't I, I can't know. know. I can't know. Yeah, for people sure. were saying that it's possible it was a reflection and it wasn't right. muzzled fire and all this. There's definitely there's there's a lot more like there's even like um I forget the guy's name. I should have noted it down, but there, the, um, he, he was one of the victims that was a witness that was saying there were multiple shooters and he and his daughter were found dead in the store in a hotel very soon after the, the massacre. Mm -hmm. And, and basically what had happened was they claimed he killed his daughter and then killed himself. But what was found there was his phone had a very unusual, unique battery pack that is only apparently used by the intelligence community. Hmm. And it was like an FBI battery pack or something. And that, that, so it's like, that's a real evidentiary connection to, you know, the FBI taking everyone's phone, you know what I mean? I, I, who knows what they actually did with his phone, but the fact that he had uh, a battery pack that was like used by in the intelligence agents, yeah, it was just odd, you know? Yeah, well, and, it, you know, we we constantly demand answers about 9-11 and, and COVID's origin and, and JFK assassination. And I, I just, the reason I wanted to do this episode is I would like to see more fervor and fanfare for disclosure and like if trump gets reelected, like like we constantly ask him you know pardon ross alberg pardon assange pardon right. snowden show yeah. us the truth about 9-11 jfk all this stuff it's like all right can we get the fucking truth on this please because right. because yeah. from my humble estimation i don't think trump's involved in this op personally i could yeah. be wrong um because especially if it's true that they were it was a threat to Trump and the, right. you know, uh, but the fact that you've already pointed out you've got a bunch of Saudis that are in play, you've got FBI that's likely in play almost certainly, um, and I think that I think personally that our our State Department our CIA um, works in tandem with the Saudis and and Mossad constantly. I I do just too. fucking constantly. And I think they're one in the same, basically. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, I do. Yeah. yeah, it's like a distinction without a difference. But right. it, it's really it's really disturbing because these are very and MI6. I didn't even include them. But right. You know, yeah. 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 They're they're a player, too. So definitely. But it, it's just like these these unaccountable, um, you know, very murky intelligence agencies just. And that's one of my favorite stories, no by the way. No Go matter how it's super fucked up, but it's one of my favorite stories is Hillary's bank shot strategy. Oh, I don't know this one. Okay, so I'm sure you do, but it, it, it was <clears throat> MI6 and French intelligence were pissed off because <laughs> Gaddafi, Omar uh, Gaddafi, was was changing to uh, – he was um, – switching yeah to a gold-based currency yep. and and no longer going to utilize the dinar or the french you know um lira, so french no, intelligence was pissed 
right? And and them and the MI6 were all, this all came out from Hillary's emails, right? And it turns out they were working with the US State Department on the plan to, and the plot to overthrow Gaddafi, which is where we got that wonderful video of Hillary going, we came, we saw, he died, ha ha, you know? <laughs> yeah, and just cackling like a terrible person, evil monster. Yeah. So she uh, was working on behalf of French intelligence, MI6, to violently overthrow Gaddafi by using, like you mentioned earlier, the moderate rebels, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. which were actually, yeah. you know, violent Al-Qaeda ISIS groups, you know, that, that uh, we decided to pivot and no longer fight, but fund and, and arm and, yeah. and uh, allow well, them. You, you know, mo moderate rebels always use knives to sodomize the president <laughs> of country. Dude, that video, I'll never forget for the rest of my life, man. Dude, I mean, just his facial expression alone when that's happening. And yep. you know, I heard, I don't know if this is true. It could just be a legend of some kind, but I read that he literally said uh, uh, to the people who were doing that to him, what have I ever done to you? Hmm. Right. And I just thought, like, if that really happened, because have you ever um, listened to Gaddafi tell that speech? And uh, I think it was like it was some Middle Eastern parliament type scenario where he's speaking to all these other leaders and he's explaining that if they allow this to happen to him and Libya, that they will only be next, that the United States State Department will target them it's just a matter of time, mm -hmm. right? And when he said that, and then you see like what he was doing, I don't know if he's the greatest leader of all time or anything. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying sure. that I think that a lot of it, this is, this is symbolic, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you stand for trying to do what's right by your people, you want to isolate a little bit from the global new world order type scenario that's taking place around us, right? you're going to pay, you're going to suffer. And Libya's never recovered, man. I mean, no. like not, neither see, has Europe because it fell. Right. Now all of this fucking, this uh, mass migration is happening. But to your point, you know who was really paying attention? Hmm. Vladimir Putin. Hell yeah, he was. He was really paying attention when yes, Gaddafi got taken out like that. And yep. if people people do not give that enough credence that that right. when you see <clears throat> a leader that's in opposition to the neoliberal world order get right. get taken out in that fashion, mm -hmm. they fucking pay attention. Hell and, yeah! And I, th I think it radicalized Putin to an extreme degree because yeah. he was like he was like for the longest time. I, I've I've made this point when I was on Timcast like mm -hmm. earlier this year. For the longest time, Putin was legitimately trying to become part of the West. Like he yeah. really, really did not want to be antagonistic with us. Yep. And he and even tried, I mean, Obama didn't want his help, right? But he right. tried during, during the Olympics or whatever, he tried to help Obama get out of Syria, right? He's like, it's cool. Just go. Yeah. Right. And, and he's and, like, I got uh, this. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, and by the way, that was all to do with the bank shot strategy that I mentioned of Hillary, who was going to mm. take those moderate rebels that they used to overthrow Gaddafi in Libya and pivot them to Syria to overthrow Assad, just hmm. like General 
Wesley Clark said in the yep, seven yep. country plan or whatever the hell yep. it was with Iran's the only one they're going to end standing. with Iran. Wasn't that it? Yep. You and, know, and, like, and, and who, who just this past week said that it's time to move on. We're Iran. at war with Iran basically is what yep. they're saying. But, like but people Netanyahu, are calling for it. But Netanyahu explicitly said, he's like, yeah, it's time. Like we gotta, <sighs> we gotta go. Um, <clears throat> and you know, they've been trying forever, but look, the, the point I was making about Putin, you know the Sar Sarnayev brothers, the uh, Boston oh, bombing. God, Boston bombing. He, yeah. uh, I mean, that's a whole nother can of worms that we Holy can't possibly shit. touch today. But um, <laughs> yeah, the you know Putin and, and Russia informed us about him that those brothers like. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I remember repeatedly. that. When, yeah, a hundred percent. And they and they also Putin was also the first guy to call us after nine eleven and offer yep. full support. Um, he also asked if they could be added in NATO. Like this guy was not our enemy. I just, right. I just want to make that very clear. I'm not saying he's a good guy, just as you said, mm -hmm. Gaddafi is also not a good guy. I'm just saying right. he was not trying to be the enemy exactly. of America. Um, and I think that now we, you know, we, we risk World War III because they chose to make a guy who sits on 6,000 nuclear weapons yeah. make him public enemy number one. It's fucking total lunacy. And mm -hmm. they're driving him into the arms of the CCP. It's so oh, no fucking crazy. Yeah. Fucking crazy. It really well, is, man. <laughs> this was this was a fantastic episode. Thank you so much. Right. I, I knew it would be great. Uh, go ahead and tell people where they can follow you, Austin. All right, man. And Clint, thank you, brother. Like, seriously, oh, yeah. thank you. I appreciate you having me on. I look forward to hopefully doing this another time. But sure. um, my podcast is called The Underclass Podcast. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Underclass Pod. And on Instagram is at the underclass podcast. So love it. Well, and if, if people want to check out his, uh, his deep dive on tinfoil hat, that was also super interesting. Um, that was on Ruby Ridge, but it's far reaching just like we did here. Uh, I, I love, you know, it seems like you're very much in the same vein of, uh, Ken Silva in your path right now. And I, <laughs> I look forward to what you do in the future. If anybody wants to support my work, uh, libertylockdown.locals.com. I do really appreciate you guys when you, uh, you know, become a supporter over there. I'll do AMAs sometimes and put out exclusive content. Or if you want to subscribe to me on X, it's at Liberty Lock Pod. Uh, and last but not least, share it around, man, because uh, I'm suspended off YouTube right now or on YouTube right now. Uh, I'll be back over there in about a week. But, you know, it's tough to tough to get the word out when the YouTube gods deem you unfit uh <laughs> but we'll be back soon uh catch you guys next week love you peace welcome to liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it